millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to episode 182 with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball with 20% off for key workers during lockdown. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Remotely with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Daniel Chapman, Moscow Whites. Hello. Everything you need regarding TSB is on our website. There is a free colouring book there and an online activity book. We've got loads of new merchandise on sale as well, so follow the links through to the merch store from the website. New Bielsa mugs featuring the artwork that was on Match of the Day, you know, when we played Arsenal in the FA Cup. We've got the Leeds Street Fighter mugs there as well. A new batch of those, including more of the characters, including Matthias Click, and we made those specifically because he messaged us and asked us to do them, so they must be good. There are Leeds Carajo coasters on there as well, so you've got something to rest your new mugs on at thesquareball.net. Well, football could be about to resume then with championship clubs going to start testing their players for coronavirus this week ahead of a return to training next Monday as we record this. We've kind of gone to and fro on whether we think this season will finish. Uh, What do you reckon then? I was surprised at this. I was just awaiting an announcement that it was all finished and we were promoted, to be perfectly honest. So I think I'm pleased. I think I'd rather go up playing properly. It'll keep a few people quiet anyway. We've had the um, the interventions from Norwich's Stuart Webber and Brighton's Glenn Murray last week about what they think would happen if the championship didn't finish for all for all it's got anything to do with them. I remember last season, probably as we came into the last nine games, saying it was going to be interesting to see how Leeds would fuck it up. And I think getting us playing football again in the middle of a, a global pandemic gives us the excellent opportunity to uh, fuck it up in an even more spectacular fashion. So, yay, welcome back football. I must admit, there's been a bit of me thinking, oh, well, it's it's looking like it's not going to be played out this season and we're in a really strong position, so we'll probably just be promoted and that's quite good because we could have still messed this up. As much as the stats and everything else completely backs up our, our opinion that we should just be going up regardless of playing the games, in some ways playing the games is the most terrifying thing that could happen. Well, that's the point we're at now, isn't it? That if the season doesn't finish, we are promoted because the points per game model has been put forward by the League Two clubs as the preferred model for the Football League being settled because they've said they don't want to conclude. And if that's the case, then points per game will be applied across the EFL. And that's flat points per game as well, not weighted for home and away. So by that metric, we are up in the Premier League because we're top, we've got the most points, everyone's played the same games in the Championship. So the only threat to us going up is now us. Can we do the, basically the opposite of what Brighton said? and that We're happy to play the games, but only if we're definitely going to be promoted at the end of it. It seems to be the sort of unreasonable demand that Premier League clubs are making. So, yeah, let's say, all right, we, we will go ahead with this, but our points remain irrelevant. And that seems fair to me. It's been interesting to see the humanitarian concerns have all now fallen away and it's just got into self-serving bickering about the whole restart thing, which we always knew it would because money is the key driver here. And zeroing in on the people that you've mentioned there, um, Moscow, you mentioned Stuart Webber, who's the, uh, is he the sporting director or director of football at uh, Norwich, whatever he is? And there's Glenn Murray, who's at Brighton. And um, they've been saying, oh, well, if the championship doesn't finish, then these clubs should not be allowed up and they just need to shut up. It's been a while since we've thrown some shade at people in relation to football. So let's get back on that horse. They are talking absolute bullshit. This probably wound me up more than it should have done um, because there isn't a lot else to be annoyed about. I'm not too 
fussed about which Arsenal striker is on the balloons. Uh, this kind of thing is much more in my wheelhouse. And it was bad enough with Stuart Webber, but then Glenn Murray coming out, backing him up the next day. And it's this weird, this weird kind of question of how you earn promotion to the Premier League. Uh, Glenn Murray saying that if the championship doesn't finish its games, but the Premier League does, then championship clubs don't deserve to be promoted. This idea that, uh, and Stuart Webber saying as well, that uh, for anyone to get promoted from the championship, it is a 46 or 49 game slog. And that if we don't go through that 46 or 49 game slog, then we somehow haven't earned the right to be in the Premier League. But it just doesn't make sense from any starting point as to whether if Leeds United had gone through this season winning every single game 6-0 at an absolute trot, never mind a canter, would Stuart Webber then be saying, well, I don't think they've worked hard enough in those matches. I think they need to play them again against some harder teams to prove that they belong in the Premier League. And the whole, when it comes down to the number of, of games played, as it stands, we've played one game fewer than the entirety of a Premier League season. Premier League season's 38 games. We've played 37 and we've still got nine games left. So we're, if both seasons were, were cut short now, we're, we're 90 minutes short of what they've done. What what's the, what's the fucking difference? Should we force any of the teams being relegated to play another eight games to prove that they can cut it in the championship? You've, nope, I don't think you could stand it in this division next season. You're going to have to go keep going down the divisions until you find a, a, a league that's got the right number of games that you can handle. And this this blind faith that has put so many obstacles in the way of so many solutions where people have said, but it was going to be one way before and this is different. It's like, well, yes, tens of thousands of people have died because a virus was unleashed across the world. I don't think at this point that should be news to anybody. So it's not the same as it was before. So we have to come up with ideas that are different but that mean we can move on with our lives into a world that is different instead of just harking on about yeah but you didn't play enough games i don't think you went hard enough and it all comes down to norwich and brighton wouldn't be in this problem if they were any good at football that is the truth of it you know if the, if the premier league season is completed even if it's not completed but if they play 38 games and are in the bottom three then you deserve to go down who comes up is essentially irrelevant to you that's not your league it's not your business let that be decided by the league below if you know if it does is it fair that, that, that no one comes up even though you've been absolutely awful is that, is that the argument that's being made here? It ends up with if, nobody if, in the Premier League. Relegate them all. Have a <laughs> Just leave it to the top six. If we end up finishing, would Glenn Murray rather we finish the season wheezing and choking our way to promotion? It's like, it's okay. I know, there's, I know everyone on the pitch is ill, but at least they're playing the games. That is a good, fair way to decide it. That would clearly be ridiculous as well. It's just a line that they can draw to go, oh, well, we, we won't be relegated if you don't do this. That's because that wouldn't be fair, would it? It's, it's bollocks. It's kind of going back as well to uh, the original playoffs in 1986-87 that weren't kind to Leeds because the final was us wanting to come up from the second division playing Charlton, who were in the relegation places or the playoff relegation places of the first division. I'd say we bring that back because we would absolutely hammer Brighton and that would be fantastic. I think the logic that he's um, employing is completely bogus. It's nonsense, isn't it? So if they do, as you said there, complete the season and they deserve on merit to be relegated, what does he think happens then with those places? They deserve to go down, but then, then what? Idiots. You can draw an interesting parallel with the playoffs, actually, because they don't necessarily reflect sporting merit across the whole season, do they? What it can do is it can reflect a decent side but a decent side that's actually had a good run of form towards the back end of the season. It's not weighted across the entire season. And a team can lift itself for those three matches at the end of the season and still be promoted. And you look at Huddersfield, for example, in 2017, who got promoted without scoring a single goal themselves in all three playoff matches because they drew nil-nil at home to Sheffield Wednesday. Then they drew 1-1 away in the second leg and Tom Lee scored an own goal that gave Huddersfield their one. And then they drew nil-nil at Wembley with Reading and one on penalties, but everyone accepts that, that is the nature of the competition. It's it's an imperfect system, but it is still a functioning system, and part of that system is promotion and relegation. So they should just shut up. A load of the flapping this time around seems to be that it's going to involve a slight changing of rules partway through a season because it'll be played behind closed doors or whatever, or neutral grounds, the various things have suggested. But we've got to do something to change it. The alternative is to just null and void it, which is less fair, clearly, than to just... It's obviously a fairer way to say we'll find a way to play out a few slightly compromised games at the end of the season as opposed to going, those other games we've been terrible in all season, 
we'll just ignore them. Those ones didn't happen. The really unfair bit is this last little bit where we have to play a few games in less than perfect circumstances. It's picking and choosing the rule changes as well. I think we'll be coming back with the allowance of five substitutes. And I don't imagine that, what is he, about 47 years old, Glenn Murray, will be against the idea that he can be hauled off after half an hour and uh, and be given a break because he's too tired um, without enough training time to get back. So if that's an allowable change from the, the start of the season... How is um, having to settle one division on points per uh, game because there's no other practical way of doing it? Not an acceptable rule change. Rule changes are rule changes. The situation is the situation. Lots of people are trying to come up with the best case scenarios and lots of people, some of the reports from the, the calls, the group calls that have been made, have said that there is this frustration with clubs at the near the bottom end of leagues who are just self-serving putting things in the way and trying to come up with their own uh, solutions that serve their own self-interests rather than good faith trying to sort this situation out. According to the logic of Glenn Murray, presumably from this point onwards, only the last nine, nine games of the season are going to count in future because the first 37 have absolutely no bearing on the final outcome. He can have an argument with that about Howard Wilkinson if he wants, because this was mentioned by um, Angus Kinnear in his YEP column where he's moved his program notes, he said that the um, the kind of training seminars that lots of the Leeds United sort of executive staff have been doing to kind of professionally develop themselves during lockdown included Howard Wilkinson popping up and ho- holding one of these seminars and explaining that he's been working on a, a theory. He's been looking at the statistics for the final nine games of uh, football seasons going back over many years and has concluded that actually they don't make much difference, that the, everybody thinks the, the final matches, the run-in, is absolutely vital to what happens that, you know, who's going to finish first or second, that's when it gets decided. But um, Howard Wilkinson's statistical, analytical view is that all that is sorted out in the games before, and the last nine games don't actually alter the positions that much. And apparently he is, uh, he's League uh, Managers Association chairman, is Howard Wilkinson, and has been since he he was key to setting the whole thing up back in uh, 1991. Um, and when he put this to a call last week, apparently Lee Bowyer, who he he made been Britain's most expensive teenager when he brought him to Leeds in 1996, was not happy because uh, his Charlton team only dropped into the bottom three in their last game. And he reckons last nine games is exactly when they're going to sort it out. And the uh, yeah, the, the headline in the Telegraph says that they clashed. Lee Bowyer clashes with Howard Wilkinson. I think it's more that Wilkinson was just putting this forward. According to the LMA, Wilkinson was putting this forward as kind of a, a discussion point rather than proposing a policy. It is strange to to picture all this going on when we talk about the discussions that we have got, basically, Howard Wilkinson and Lee Bowyer arguing with each other over Zoom, which is um, not what I thought was going to be happening in 2020 in general. No one likes to see Leeds on Leeds, though, do they? Ugh. Did you see um, Marcelo Bielsa's role? in all this because it was all the um, the championship managers it might have been all of the um, uh, football league managers in fact and some of the executives and uh, the telegraphs say that uh, Marcelo Bielsa the Leeds manager was not on the call the Leeds representative was listed as one of Bielsa's assistants although his video was not activated and there was no contribution shadowy figure from Elland Road tuning in listening wondering what the hell this cockney is yelling at Howard Wilkinson for That'll be Lampard not wanting us up for that. They didn't put the video on, sir. It can't be allowed in now. They wouldn't have even bothered, would they? They'll have dialed in and then just left. Just sit watching Holmes another hammer eating crisps or something just while it's on. Like, yeah, yeah. None of this affects us. It's fine. We'll go any any model we're going up. It's all right. We'll play the games either. Not bothered. It does seem like we might actually play the games though now for all the arguments about ways of settling it. The fact that they are saying they're going to start testing players from next week and and all that. On that, I wonder how the overcome some of the financial difficulties because wasn't it the case that it seems like Luton were actually going to start losing money on this? I think the last I saw the estimate is £200,000 per club and the Accrington Stanley chairman tweeted last week that the estimate then that he'd been given was £125,000 just for testing and that was more than their entire season ticket income so he was very much not in favour of Peterborough and Sunderland in League One trying to force the rest of the division to to play. Um, because it's not only the testing costs, you have to modify your, your training ground and put in physical changes. 
that in all cases are relatively expensive and I think in some cases, depending on where they where they actually train, might not even be possible. Bolton use like the local university because they don't have a, a place of their own. So, so how, I was going to uh, say down the further down the leagues you go, that'll be really common that people are just training in parks and public sports centres and stuff as opposed to their own sort of cordoned off training grounds. Yeah, so I think that's that's why leagues one and two have kind of just knocked it on the head. I'm just up the road from Bradford City's training ground, and my kids did their swimming lessons there. In it's a, a school called Woodhouse Grove, like a private school. So you've got essentially a school and a professional football team, and then perhaps even external third parties coming in and doing stuff. It's just it's not manageable, is it? I think this speaks to why um, Harry Kane's contribution last week, where he's he started sponsoring Leighton Orient's shirts, and apparently he's uh, um, he's paying over the odds for the the average League Two sponsorship deal, and he's um, obviously. I mean, fortunately, he's not egotistical enough to put Harry Kane on the front of all their shirts. He's donated the space to the uh, to three charities and um, proceeds from shirt sales are going to go to those charities. But it did just kind of show up how weird football has become when top-level footballers are paid enough by football clubs that they can afford to basically meet the running costs of lower league football clubs out of their back pocket and probably not even feel it, which is... It does say something strange about the future of football finance. Mm. Like you said, what was Accrington's total season ticket money? 120 grand? Less than 125,000 pounds. Yeah, I mean, that's not even a high Premier League salary, is it? A week? No. Which footballers do you think would put their names on the front of shirts if they were to do similar, just for pure ego value? Ronaldo, for sure. He'd have his silhouette on there. He'd donate it to the uh, realm. It would be for charity, but it would be the Ronaldo Foundation, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Grealish? Yeah, Grealish would do, wouldn't he? And you imagine maybe back in the day that Paul Ince has got the word governor on the shirt or something like that. Dick. Did you see any of the German football resuming then over the weekend? That was a bit weird, wasn't it? Like seeing the subs just sat in the stand all, you know, two or three metres apart and that kind of thing. I only saw highlights of it. I, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't bother tuning in for the actual full games. I, I did see the subs. What's the thinking of that when you're on a pitch and training together all week, but then you have to sit two metres apart? Or is it just setting a good example? I'm not sure. Yeah, they're, they're not training together in the tradition. Uwe Rosler, who's now manager of, is he? Oh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. There you go. He he was talking about how um, every few days they're getting like 30 to 40 pages of guidance. So things change. But when um, uh, he said that they basically haven't been able to do any, any proper full contact match training because it wasn't allowed by the guidelines they were working to and that when they go to away games, if they're flying, they have to take the squad on a, a minimum 100-seater aeroplane so everyone can, everyone can spread out. If they're going by coach, they need two or three coaches um, and you could see some of the teams arriving for the, the Bundesliga matches on, on several coaches instead of all being crammed onto one. They spread them out and then they spread the substitutes out and then and then you watch the game and, yeah, they're all just crashing into each other and spitting on the grass and... You could hear in the, I did watch the, the Dortmund-Schalke game. And although, I, I mean, obviously I didn't hear spot it myself because I don't speak or understand German, but somebody did tell Erling Haaland to go and fuck his grandmother in that game. And that was audible. So I don't know what the social distancing guidelines are around those sort of shenanigans, but somebody was certainly... Fucking your grandmother? Yeah, somebody was certainly uh, trying to encourage Erling to break several laws but of taste, decency and legality. There, but then Ethy went and scored a goal anyway. There's something a bit mad about that that guidance because if you think about, I mean, the, the research that's guiding this is that they showed the average contact on a pitch is like under three seconds, didn't they? And they said it's just not long enough to transmit coronavirus. But then you shove them all onto a plane, even if it is a hundred seater plane and they're all spaced out. Who hasn't at some point come off a flight and felt ill due to the recycled air that you're having to breathe for however long? And they showed, you know, spray patterns of people breathing in air in that. Uh, confined aircraft space or even coughing, breathing out. It's it's just a disease pit is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think this is where testing comes into it. I think it, it was the Union Berlin game where the celebrations were brought into question. Obviously, Erling Haaland, when he scored his goal, stood, all the, the Borussia players stood two metres apart from each other and Haaland just stood and looked at them and kind of swayed from side to side because I think he's he's quite odd. But there was another game where I think it's the Union Berlin players all got very close together and were, were being told off uh, for the example they were setting. But their manager said, look, you know, it's still an emotional game. 
And it's very difficult for the players to adapt to not celebrating that way. Also, they'd been in a seven-day quarantine for this. They've been tested twice a week for the last month. They can be as confident as they possibly can be that nobody in that huddle of players celebrating a goal has got the virus to pass on to. That does almost render then the, the reasoning for how they have to separate in different areas of the changing rooms and why they're using different buses. It seems almost moot because you've tested them to within an inch of science and um, something is seriously up with your one, your quarantining measures and two, your testing. If then there is an outbreak of, of coronavirus from that, but I guess when they do the testing uh, this week, if suddenly half the Bundesliga has all got COVID-19, then there are problems. Credit to Erling Haaland as well for his post-match interviews in which he's, he's I think what he's doing is subverting the genre, I think is the, uh, the phrase, isn't he? He's been a little bit awkward and answering in short sentences and how do you feel after that? Yeah, very good. That kind of thing. Yes, this one, the, the clip that's gone round is him asking, being asked why the players at the end went to, they did the thing of sh- like raising their hands in the air in front of the, the yellow wall, which obviously is a south stand that's completely empty. And uh, he was asked why they did that. And he said, well, why not? Which is great. I mean, it's, it is actually a perfect answer in the circumstances, but weirdly it's got, and you can tell that there wasn't, there isn't much football to watch and that people have needed this, if only for their own profiles, because Piers Morgan is all over this and this young man is rude, he's lessons, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you wouldn't have expected again, 20 years ago, Jan Fjortoft to be debating this with Piers Morgan and Jackie Oatley, who's up in house about it as well. But I went and watched the, there is a 90 second version of this very short, of this interview that I was able to access by switching a VPN to Norway, finding the tweet that Jan Olga Fjordhaft had put out. And you realise that actually that's the end of the interview. And before that, he'd, Erling had been asked things like, you know, was it difficult playing here today without the, the supporters here? And he says, well, you know, we've had a few weeks to get used to this. Um, we knew it was going to be a different atmosphere today, but also we knew that the supporters at home would be rooting for us, so really it didn't affect us. And so there are, I think there's two or three questions that he gives full answers to before it gets to, why did you do that? And he just says, well, why not? And then a couple of other things, you know, was it a message to the fans? Yes. And that's it. But what's what struck me is interesting about it is how the full version, the 92nd one, where he's giving those longer answers, everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, that's that's much more reasonable. He actually, it's like any footballer interview after a game, he says, fuck all, anyway. You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing unexpected in him saying, yeah, you know, we, we knew even though the fans are, are at home, we knew they would be cheering us on anyway, and that really helped us get the win that we were confident we were going to get. That's not particularly any more helpful. It's just the accepted sort of cliched way of doing these things. And I would much rather, if Erling wants to just do his uh, his little yes-no answers at the end, it says just as much. It probably is the way that footballers should start handling things now because there are certain obligations you've got to meet out there when, you've, when you're in the Premier League and in the top leagues where you've got to put a player forward and a manager's got to do a post-match thing. This is one way of getting around it. I'd be quite in favour next year of having Calvin Phillips just saying yes, no, thank you, goodbye. It's like Bielsa when he discovered he had to do those three questions before a game for Sky. And um, I've never been persuaded that the first few that he did with Salim Lamrani, where Salim was um, whispering how to say things in English in his ear, and they were taking ages over working out, weren't a complete piss take where they're like, right, if you're going to force us to do this, we're going to make it as uncomfortable as possible. And the the absolute classic one of where the, uh, the Sky interviewer asked some convoluted non-question, and um, Bielsa says to Salim, says, I, I, I want to say this, and says in Spanish, and he says back to him, Yes, you are right. And Bielsa turns to him and says, Yes, you are right. Was not just 100% massive piece of piss taking performance art that I, I absolutely loved. So, yeah, following Bielsa's lead on that would, would do no harm. There is a, there's another compilation of Erling Haaland's interviews, and there's one where you can hear him saying in German to uh, his press officer, he says, Well, these questions are rubbish. What more do you want me to say? And <laughs> I do kind of admire his, uh, his honesty in that. But this particular clip, does disguise the fact that he uh, he did engage with the the reporter more than was apparent. And when he does start on the um, why not and the monosyllabic answers, you can kind of hear a bit of a chuckle in the reporter's voice where he's like, ah, okay, I've lost you here, haven't I? And, uh, and that's it, yes. People who've done longer interviews with Harland say the ones he's interested and uh, the ones he's talking about 
more detailed matters and it's not just a post-match are you happy to score a goal that's one of the ones that's that's out there on twitter are you happy to score yes if you go a bit deeper than that he is actually very engaging and, and very warm and a nod in the direction of the bright spark at fc soul in south korea who at some sort of meeting when they sat down and tried to decide how can we liven up these behind closed doors games decided that the best way forward would be to go buy a bunch of or even higher maybe who knows a bunch of sex dolls, uh, put them in the home kit, put them in masks, and then put them in the stand and make it look like some sort of underground fetish party. They are premium mannequins, as I tell my wife. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> these these are not um, not your standard shop mannequins, are they? They look like they've got movable joints, and um, and I suspect the mouths, if you could, if they weren't masked, maybe sort of uh, look shocked. Maybe kind of, maybe maybe they might look have a slight look of surprise. Yeah, maybe as if as if a bad tackle's gone in, and they're going, oh no, a bad tackle's got in. Where exactly? Did you ever see there was a guy on uh, on this morning who collected dolls, and he had his wife on with him as well, and it, they were all surrounding him on the sofa, and he was claiming there was nothing sexual in these dolls as well. And his my his wife looked broken, bless her. She was just sat with him going like she's like, I'm gonna stand by him through this. And I've I admit when he made this argument to me privately, it didn't seem quite as ridiculous as when it was on live TV. But they were all sat alongside him completely non sexually with mouths agape and their legs kind of half spread open. And he's going, I just like them as I just like them as toys and for company. There's nothing sexual whatsoever. I think apart from anything else, if you're a footballer and you're trying to get used to the idea of behind closed doors games and you look up to the stands and you see this array of posed premium mannequins staring back like the children of the damned. I think that's going to make everything feel even weirder. You need a bit of equality as well. You need some of at least like the Hindu blow up men, you know, the ones with a little bit of drawn on chest hair and, and the penis and everything. I think you need to at least even it up if you're going to have these there. There's a 20% key worker discount with our podcast partner, Levi Solicitors, 10% off for everybody else who goes through the square ball. They want to say thanks to everybody who's been keeping things ticking over whilst we've been in lockdown over the last couple of months. So if you've got legal matters that need attention, get in touch with Levi's, take advantage of the discounts that they've got on offer. Loads of stuff on the personal side and the business side as well. 10% square ball discount, that increases to 20% if you're a key worker. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Well, we've been missing football, but it's great to have some football content back in the form of Ask Pat that the club did on its various uh, various channels. A great insight into the the world, the life, the times of Patrick Bamford. In Moscow, as a as a probably the foremost Bamford hater in the country, I imagine you just watched this seething, hating all of his choices. And I'm glad you've got moles still. I can't believe your horrid dog is killing them. I am no such thing. I thought no such thing. He comes over really well, doesn't he? He does. He's a, he's a nice chap. You can tell he's been well brought up. You also could have guessed easily that chicken korma was his go-to curry. Yeah, I lost a bit of respect there. I mean, that's that's a child's curry. Although when I bought it for my children, actually, it arrived and it was a prawn monks, quite like prawns. And while the waiter was still there, they said it looks like it looks like sick with prawns in. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, they did eat it though so so Pat Bamford and uh, six year old children with the same tasting food there what sort of middle class monsters have you brought up if your kids are into prawns I bet the king prawns as well aren't they they're not just your little dodgy curly ones that come out of a frozen bag oh, I don't know it was in a, it was it wouldn't have been king prawns in a restaurant bloody hell I'm not paying that for them not when I, there's a fair old chance they won't even eat it but I bet Pat Bamford's a, a king prawn man all the way I also enjoyed the um, pre-game ritual bit that him and Stuart Dallas go for a piss together do you think they cross swords at the urinals or maybe separate cubicles or what? How do you think that works? He got a bit lost in this anecdote. He went, no, not, not really. It's just, they just tend to go get to the game and go for a wee and Mama Stuart Dallas is there and it's just become a thing we do. And like, okay. It's the thing they'll have to not do under the social distancing guidelines, I would think. There is some leeway, but I don't think um, pissing together is one of the things that you're allowed to do. We did finally get an insight into the um, covering the ears celebration. And that was explained as being basically, I can't hear you to the haters, not everybody in the stadium, which possibly meant that it wasn't the best judged of celebrations, given that you did it in a football stadium. But at least we know now, because we did wonder, we did speculate as to what that meant. And we did get that speculation. It wasn't for everybody. It was just for the people pouring poison in his ears like you, Moscow. It it was, um, as we said at the time, it wasn't very well 
communicated, you could kind of see or assume what he was getting at, but he probably pissed off the people who weren't even on his back rather than, than anything else. He It really needed to come with some explanatory notes, did that one. He did specify it was not people in the stadium, but people on Twitter, didn't he? But, and he said, and he also specified 95% of Leeds fans are really good. Yeah, he says he speaks French and that he's been um, understanding a lot more Spanish so he can follow um, Bielsa and the coaching staff is... Uh, staff's conversations whether he also needs to learn sign language so that he can kind of um, when he's doing these celebrations he can kind of make that clear that who his target audience is exactly what he's trying to say rather than making it so vague and and open to interpretation or just go with the uh, the standard running around screaming and then nobody really has anything to interpret then if you're just running around screaming your head off letting everybody join in the moment from uh, two meters away that's easier to understand. The stuff about him being well brought up actually was interesting because when he talks about winding people up, he, he says that his mum hates him doing it and that he started to enjoy it. And then he also said that when he was talking about his favourite what things that he's done to wind people up, he said looting away. He said, well, little kids were giving him the Vs. And then he went, no, I think that's the right thing, by the way, because he just had to get that in. It's like, kids shouldn't be doing that. That's that's on the parents, really. They should be they should be better brought up than this. He's trying so hard with this, uh, this shit housing thing that he said it is something he, he wanted to add to his game this season. He wanted to have a bit of a rougher edge. But it's just not him, is it? It's not his his natural character. I think he maybe needs to, to concentrate on being nice Pat. Because nice Pat's a nice guy. Nobody have a problem with, with nice Pat. And if he's upsetting his mother, then that's not good for anybody, is it? I think as well, he's not a natural asset in the same way as Click, because Click comes across as a really nice guy as well. But he's also a, a complete, he was just born to wind people up, wasn't he? You can tell he's absolutely got that in his locker that he's just, not in a bad way, Not like he's not like an El Hadjadjouf would spit at people and make offensive gestures, but he just knows how to pull the right strings and just upset people in a way that, while while completely laughing in their face. Pat's too eager to apologise, isn't he? He's got too much... I mean, it, you know, you can't possibly criticise anybody for having too much empathy, but I think he uh, he instantly sees it from the other person's point of view. He's like, oh my God, I've, I've probably really upset them. <sighs> um, I thought, how, I'm, I'm really sorry. And that, yeah, that, that doesn't quite carry through. You, you have to have a certain amount of uh, dispassion if you're going to be a, a true click level shithouse. If anything, he's been brought up too well. Well, that's what Sean Dyche thought. I mean, that's where... Um, he does say at one point that he doesn't understand why people think he's posh, while also saying that some of the training staff at Leeds thought that the parody Bamford account might actually be him, and it was real, and then naming his favourite dessert as an eaten mess. And going back, um, I looked it up again today, because I've always absolutely loved the story of his run-in with uh, Sean Dyche, who was the one person who really, I think, got under his skin about his his upbringing, saying that the, all the Chelsea loanies had never had to work for anything, and that the way he'd... Uh, He'd been brought up meant specifically that Bamford had never had to work for anything. This is, you know, his, his manager, so it was a, a hard work thing. And um, and yeah, and Bamford's quotes were when he said, that, is that what people think just because I went to private school and played instruments? People don't know. My parents never let me have everything. If I started something, I had to finish, like with violin. I started with I was seven only because my best mate wanted to. I hated it and wanted to quit, but my dad made me continue and I got to grade seven. So it just, even as he, he kind of argues that he's not posh, he then describes describes the upbringing of a very posh boy, but then says it doesn't matter anyway, which in the long run, you know, obviously it doesn't matter. I like the bit in this as well, right at the end when it, they asked him about his favourite TV show and he, he talks about one and he says, it's quite good, but it's got subtitles as if he's just warning people. It's like, so don't don't try and watch it. Just so you know, if you're like just a normal person, you probably you probably won't really like the reading and stuff. It'll be a bit tricky for you. When it comes to wayward upbringings, you will be aware, if you've been listening to this podcast for a bit, about my own trials and tribulations with my son, who is uh, he's just coming up for his ninth birthday now, leaning towards Spurs. Boys, we've had a breakthrough on this one. Because some good news potentially. You know, they've been selling off this season's shirts, obviously, because we're moving over to Adidas. But the Kappa stuff's all been knocked down in the club shop. So I caved in and bought the grey and pink away shirt. Because, but let's face it, you know, this summer, this season, sorry, is going to go down in memory one way or another. Down at 20 quid, I thought, why not? It's the first lead shirt I've bought since the Nike Strongbow one, actually, that I realised. But um, my son has seen the shirt, seen me um, tying around the house in it, and he saw it and he said, you get me one of those. 
So I've ordered the full kit and it's on its way. It should be here in the next couple of days. Full kit for you or for him? Full kit for me. He just wanted the shirt. No. <laughs> Fair enough, yep. You're not just... Uh, it's locked down, isn't it? You're not just fobbing him off with a, a grey with pink logo square ball shirt. Tell him it's the same thing. Could do. Like a two-stripe version. Well, speaking of three stripes, we, I remarked to him, I said, you do know this is going to be out of date in a couple of months. That's why it's cheap. Uh, and there'll be a new one out because they're going to Adidas. He said, well, can you get me an Adidas one instead? And I said, I'll get you both if you want. So I think he might be coming over to the right side. But it's going to be expensive though. We talk about Pat Bamford's privileged upbringing. This kid's got out-of-date shirts coming out of his ears. How did, how, is, is he six years old and you're telling him that his shirt's going to be out of date in a couple of months? You might not, you might not be the hippest thing on fucking Bradford High Street, but I'll get you a newer one in a couple of months when this is out of date. I'm gonna get you some. I'll get you some. Uh, I'll replace that Louis Vuitton luggage as well. That's looking looking a bit tired because you've had that a fortnight. Fucking hell! And when it comes to children, we've had a real life bona fide transfer rumor that's come in. Young lad from uh, from Linfield in Northern Ireland, Charlie Allen. Who was the? Um, it was Charlie Taylor, wasn't it? We thought it sounded like a an East an Eastern thug. We now got Charlie Allen. Charlie fucking Taylor. He ain't gonna be happy when this. Alan Charlie comes on the team. Wanted by Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool, Man City, Glasgow, and the old Bill. Well, why don't Charles just fucking go there? Is any good then? Did we know? Uh, well, he was. He's started playing for Linfield. They had him in the Champions League squad, I think, when he was either fifteen or he's now sixteen. And if he'd come on, it would have been a record. But yeah, everybody wants him. But um, Graham Smith obviously has uh, connections in Northern Ireland. Knows everyone in Northern Ireland personally says that we are in the lead. I think what also helps is that Linfield's manager is David Healy. So there's a, I suspect Charlie is being told in no uncertain terms uh, where his future lies, whether he likes it or not. We have had a lot of inquiries about where the booze baton slash sangria stick and all that. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know about these. We were going to throw an end of season party to celebrate promotion, which was inevitable. Uh, it, actually, ironically, promotion is now probably more assured than if we were playing. However, how do we address these concerns? If we do go up, touch wood and all that, what should we do to commemorate it if we're not allowed to go out? We'll just go out when we can. That'll be all right. Be happy enough for that. Just wait. We can do it. We'll just do a little thing and then we'll we'll have a put the party on hold. Yeah, if we're not allowed, We've got to have if one. we're not allowed to go out, we'll have to stay in. So I don't know what else you're proposing. <laughs> that clears that one up then. And anyway, we, we need to wait for the... Because it's in Madrid, isn't it? The proper booze baton, the official one. And then there's the UK versions in Croydon, which is not acceptable. So Premier League needs to get playing again just to get the booze baton on the move, to be perfectly honest, because I'm not going to Croydon. Even if... It, even if I mind you, I suppose, given I've not gone anywhere at all for like a couple of months, maybe Croydon would be all right. But I think I'd still probably rather stay at home. Get voting on Phil Hayes' Twitter feed for this week's talky bit in our podcast with him that comes out on a Friday. Recent weeks, we've been speaking about Alan Smith's move over the Pennines. We've done Mad Friday, The Hawk, amongst other things. You get to choose. Have a look on Phil's Twitter feed. Subscribers can listen to that show ad-free via The Athletic app, and the same applies for Phil's writing. And once you have subscribed to The Athletic, you can read everything from around the world and listen to the podcasts ad-free. And you're not plagued by pop-ups and annoying clickbait, just the stories themselves, and they're told brilliantly. So you can use our special promo code, get a free trial and 50% off a subscription by heading to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's pick this week's heroes and villains now then, please. First, the Ken Bates Villainy Award with the customary opening nomination for Ken Bates or one of the Ken Bateses we've found from around the world. Which one is it this week? Wyoming again. I mentioned the other week he's standing for re-election for a second district or whatever it is in. I, I can't I double check on the Facebook group, but I've been banned because he's a coward. But yeah, he's uh, he's putting out the things he wants to achieve now. And he starts off by saying, I have no motives or agendas. I know Kesper my mums do. Which sounds vaguely <laughs> like he's accusing them of something. <laughs> what does he mean by that exactly? What he means is he wants to see an indoor playground for the winter months. And he wants that made for the Casper moms, which is good. And we've covered before what... A playground for the mothers? Where are the children going to play? A playground for the mothers is uh, Ken's bedroom, I'm led to believe. That power's gone right to his head. Just to be clear, that isn't true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, he also says that he's learnt something from each of his fellow council members, so he's, he lists them all. But some of the more concerning ones is that uh, Bob Hopkins, which is incredibly close to Bob Hoskins, which is a bit, of, a bit of a shame that it's not, he's taught him that diversity is okay, and Ray Pacheco has taught him compassion, which is, I would have thought two things that he would have known before getting himself involved in local government, but he knows them now for definite, so he's worth re-electing. Think, he's, think about it, he went into his first term without any compassion and, and hating everyone who wasn't a white man. So think how good he'll be in his second term. Again, we should state that's not true. Also, we should state that what he's advocating there is for an indoor play area in Casper, Wyoming. And indoor play areas are the seventh circle of hell. <laughs> not, for, not when they're full of uh, bikini-clad mothers. I don't know which ones you've been going to in Pontefract. Is that Paul Green's play area? No, that's, Ke- that's Ken's plan for it. That's going to be the dress code. I'm led to believe. <laughs> Who else are your nominations? I'm not into, I, I want to nominate whoever has put Chris Fairclough in the villains section. It was me. Right. Well, you're nominated. How dare you? He's done something. What? He's done something, <laughs> hasn't he? He'll have done something nice. Look at him. What's he, what deals he struck? What's he done to his face? He's done nothing to his face apart from remain, I know, as, nothing, remain nothing. as beautiful as he was when he was 21 years old. Nothing has happened to his face. He's in his 50s, for Christ's sake. What the fuck's happened to him? Do we know that he's alive? He's not. This isn't a stuffed version of Chris Fairclough they've had under the East Stand or something. He looks no different. Even his shoulders and his like his chest that you can see, he looks like he's in ridiculously good shape as well. He looks basically the same as he did in 1994, and I'm not happy with it. Something needs to be looked into or done about when, this. Um, I know I've told the story of, of getting behind the scenes at the centenary photograph when they had all the Legends players and the, the new players, but the um, uh, because I'd spoken to... But Brian Dean, uh, previously to interview him, he was kind of the uh, the excuse that me and uh, John Howe used to um, uh, to go and say hello to Rod Wallace and, and Chris Fairclough, too, of the lesser seen members of the 1992 team. And I can confirm from close up one, Chris Fairclough does look as young in real life as he does in the pictures and is alive and working. And two, that he's um, he's a very, very nice man. So up yours, all right, Normanton. You're just jealous. Oh, completely, yeah. I think as we all are. I think everyone who was a child during that title win is now looking at them, going, "How come he's younger than me?" Even though he played in that, it doesn't seem right. Some good additions in the uh, the video though this week. Hadi Sacco, I think, was my personal highlight. Just for someone you didn't expect to be there. He's always been a friend of the Leeds fans, so hasn't he? He has, and I enjoyed John Helm looking around as well, as if he was clapping a full stadium when he was outside his front door. That little turn is incredible, isn't it? It seems like every week we're including Premier League arseholes in this uh, villainy nomination, so I presume we're putting this week's in as well. Stuart Webber, so-called Leeds fan, bang on, he was claiming, even, um, this made me warm. Is he a Leeds fan? He even goes on about having a season ticket in one of these interviews. This made me warm to uh, Pat Bamford even more. What was his phrase? Did he say he didn't know what he was jabbering about or something like that? Certainly perfectly dismissive of the uh, the idiocy that this man was talking. 
No, he, he is a Leeds fan. We had it confirmed by someone on a DM saying that he used to travel to games with them. But got uh, apparently he stopped going after he threw his toys out the pram because he didn't get a ticket for that FA Cup game against Sheffield United. So stopped going up, stopped going at around that time, and became a dick. And Glenn Murray as well. You know, we covered it enough at the start. They're just talking nonsense, and it's just any excuse to try and keep themselves in the Premier League. Why do we want to get promoted into this league full of dickheads? Because it'll give us loads of money. Well, it we won't can give, give me to loads all of money, footballers. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, am I getting any money out of this? Well, you might be getting your season ticket money back from like, from next season. We didn't cover that, actually, did we? They did offer that. Yeah. Well, I'll just talk about it, sort of. Yeah, they, um, there was a statement from the club saying they'll be uh, contacting people about refunds for the uh, the games that they won't be able to attend this season. And Angus Kinnear said more about that in his YP column as well, where he said even the fans that have said that the club can keep it and put it towards... Um, acquiring Ben White, but apparently we're all going to be offered some sort of credit um, of greater value than the, the tickets. He seems to be implying that whatever it was, will there'll either be um, like money off future tickets or money off merchandise or some kind of way of of getting that money paid back to us and then a bit more. And also the people who just need the money will be able to just get a refund in full. Nothing yet um, about next season, but I think that's understandable given that how this season ends is still pretty much um, a fuck over. And so how much of a fuck over next season is going to be is sort of doesn't bear thinking about yet. But if they're doing the right thing here as they seem to be, I'm sure they'll, they'll hopefully come up with something decent for next year. Can we have a timeshare in Ben White himself, maybe? I mean, it does raise the interest. It's, it's not unheard of for crowdfunding to buy footballers, or at least to keep footballers. And this is going back a little bit, but when... Herbert Chapman wanted to bring Fanny Walden from Northampton Town and was convinced he would uh, make the difference in getting Leeds City promoted to the First Division. The people of Northampton, I think it was a shilling fund. They all put in a shilling to keep him uh, there and he didn't come. To be clear, when you say, when you say going back a little bit, you mean over 100 years? Uh, yes, this would have been 1913. And Herbert Chapman said it was the, the biggest disappointment he'd ever experienced in football. But I'm sure if there was some kind of scheme where every Leeds fan could chip in some money, we would probably come up with enough to not just buy Ben White, but potentially buy Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. And then we would own him. We could then take uh, Ben White and sack Glenn Murray. That would be one way to do it. Absolutely one way to do it. It's not dissimilar to Bill Fotherby's old modus operandi when it came to signing players. He'd always just go around all the various sponsors and say, can you give us under a grand for this player or half a million for that one. That, that was how he did it. Yeah, I think getting a uh, 100 grand off 10 sponsors um, so you can buy a million pound footballer, it's kind of changed a little bit when you, what were we talking about? 25 million for, for Ben White? Difficult, but, you know, if it is all about people chipping in as much as they can afford, uh, yeah, I say crowdfund for Ben White. Do we need to nominate Scotland or something for upsetting Phil Hay this week? All, all of Scotland. Yeah. Well, yeah, the SPL, they've, uh, they've relegated his, his hearts, haven't they? I mean, they did deserve relegating, just to go through what we've uh, we've talked about. And that is something that Phil, I've seen on Twitter, has himself conceded, that they are shit and do deserve to go down. So, But yeah, harsh. harsh to, it feels incredibly harsh to be relegated and completely fair to win something on points per game, doesn't it? That's the thing. Everyone, everyone who's potentially getting relegated thinks it's a massively unfair thing and that they're... Per- Preferred team was just about to put together a run of form that would mean they turned it around and didn't go down. But, you know, that doesn't happen, generally speaking. All right, Howard Wilkinson, I want to see your statistical analysis for this and you can show it to Lee Bowyer. I did, well, I did, the, I did the analysis for Bowyer, didn't I? A few weeks ago, on the promotion end of it anyway, so, you know, in the last 10 years, every team that's been top two at this point has gone up other than Leeds last year. And even then, we were only two points behind, so, ahead, sorry. So, it wasn't a fair test. So, pick yourself a villain then. Is it the Premier League wankers? Because we can't really give it to Chris Fairclough for his um, brilliant skincare regime. Now Moscow's confirmed he didn't see any chips and wires hanging out the back of his head when he saw him, then I'm, I'm willing to let him off. Feels like Stuart, we- Stuart Webber should have this, doesn't it? Uh, well, I'm, he at least is in a capacity of some influence at a Premier League football club. Who the fuck is Glenn Murray? And why was he just coming in, piling in the next day as well? Everything had been said. Stuart Webber had made his point. It was fine. Then you had Glenn Murray turning up and saying, yeah, I agree with him. Don't fucking care. Fuck off. So the pair of them 
I suppose as well, you don't expect footballers to make intelligent comments, do you? So it's all right that Glenn Murray's saying stupid things. But if you're in a position of seniority at a board level, you expect a bit more intellect. So who's having it then? Both of them? One of them? Just give it to Brighton. I feel like they. I feel like every week they're chipping in with something. And just give us Ben White. Yeah, fair point. Right, Andy Hughes hero award then onto that. Nominations, please. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa. And um, as previously, the people who are stalking him, uh, thank you to Mr. Ignite Sports Coaching for taking a photo of him from a safe two metre distance and a big, uh, a big thumbs up from Marcelo Bielsa that you don't see as often. I was happy to see his thumbs in particular. He's leaning on the gatepost for number 44 there, isn't he, on the picture as well, which I, I would, if that was my house, I would immediately commission a blue plaque to have put up on that, that gatepost and I'd have that picture framed in my front room. It is very tempting. It would probably break several lockdown regulations, but if it was possible to move to Weatherby, it would be worth it at the moment, wouldn't it? Or I might just ask Bielsa if he will come round and touch my gate, just so he's done it. Just something to show the grandkids. That really did sound like a euphemism as well. A good old Marcelo, he's been he's been keeping him busy, hasn't he, as well? The uh, analysis sessions at Thorpe Arch, we wonder what they get up to during lockdown. And as we suspected, it's lean into the hard work even more. Sorry, I've got some velvet morning by Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra stuck in my head now of Marcelo Bielsa opening up the gates. Anyway, uh, yes, as well as not allowing them to speak on EFL Zoom calls, Bielsa has tasked his backroom staff with studying every goal scored from a set-piece situation in Europe's top five leagues plus the championship this season to identify the most efficient zones for set-piece takers to target, which is interesting in two things. One... Uh, the work never stops if you're a Marcelo Bielsa assistant and or intern. And two, one of our major bugbears, probably of the entire Bielsa era of the, the wastefulness from set pieces, is working on it. So I expect during the final nine games of the season, when they do get played, we're going to be chipping in corners and free kicks from every conceivable angle. Who else are your hero noms? I suppose on the refund thing, we should probably nominate Leeds because they've come out with this statement, which I think has settled everyone down. And for once, I think I actually trust them. I don't know, I feel like in years past, I would have definitely been hearing that statement and going, nah, they're doing something. They're doing something with that money. That's all being moved offshore as we speak. We're never seeing a penny of that again, and we're not seeing any football either. Club's going to be shut down. That money will be in uh, the British Virgin Islands before we know it. Whereas I think I've just about reached a point of trust with the current ownership that I think, okay, I'm happy to wait for a letter. There is a very serious point there, Michael, actually. When you think about in the past how certain previous owners have mortgaged off the season ticket income in order to fund the projects that they wished to commit money to. And then imagine if some of that season ticket money had to be refunded, there would then be a shortfall, wouldn't there, within the club of cash. And it would probably result in us selling, I don't know, a young promising midfielder, something like that, someone from the youth academy. I can't imagine such a situation would occur where there's a shortfall and you have to sell your best players. But yeah, theoretically speaking, that's the sort of thing that would happen. So good work, Leeds United. Anybody else up for uh, hero ship? There is one remaining name on the uh, the list here. If anybody, I don't know who put that on. Wasn't me, not me. Is it Sunday Times best-selling author, Moscow White? That, oh, me? Yeah. Just, I'm honoured. Why, why, would, why would anybody want to nominate me as a hero? Well, I know you don't like to talk about your charity work, as I don't, but uh, at the moment you can get a copy of your book as an ebook can't you uh for just five pounds and a pound for every purchase he's going to the Leeds fans food bank the rest of it is that true is that true true. i was about to say where the rest of it goes but we um what's over over that actually no i mean i am only mentioning this because it uh, a pound of every purchase goes to Leeds fans food bank the rest of the money then goes to the uh, publisher who obviously it's not easy for anybody to sell books at the moment, so it helps keep them employed and they've been good to me and it means I get some money as well. So it's win, win, win. And the people who pay the fiver for uh, an ebook get to read a book and read all about Herbert Chapman and Fanny Walden in 1913. So that's at least four different people win out of this. Apparently it's been set up and um, it's from now or until last week until somebody kicks a ball in the championship. That's kind of the special offer window that this is being pushed in. I don't know if that part was necessarily thought through in case the season does get curtailed and then next season forced through and this ends up being the case carrying on until 2025 or something like that. But 
Um, hopefully that will be a lot of pounds for the, the Leeds fans food bank. And I should point out as well that it was not my idea and I did absolutely nothing to put this into place. Um, Icon Books, my publishers basically came up with it. They're using a, a new ebook platform that means they can do this. That means the, the ebooks are half the price that they are at the moment on Amazon, but they work on Kindles and it's all the different ebook formats are available that way. And they can decide, they can say, right, a pound of every purchase goes to the food bank. So, um, and I just said, yeah, that sounds good. And then they went away and did it. So it's actually Icon Books who we can nominate and the food bank who are obviously still open for business or at least as much as they can be during this time, which won't be getting any easier as uh, the weeks go by. If you want to get your hands on Moscow's ebook, it's a bit.ly link, bit.ly forward slash leads ebook. Or it's my pinned tweet at the moment at Moscow TSB. You can find the link from there if that's easier. Good work on that, but I'm not sure you can have the Heroship Award because I think you've slacked since you wrote that book. Did a book about the first hundred years. Where's the sequel? I mean, it'd be pretty boring so far, wouldn't it? We did now. We played half a season and did now. There you go. Another five quid, please. Right. Uh, who's your hero? I'm going to nominate Harry Kane as well, because not only for the Leighton Orient stuff, did you see the call he made to Colin Granger once of Leeds United? Um, he just basically spoke, had a bit of a chat with him, which was very nice. He's currently being cared for at his home in Skelmanthorpe, but he was just talking about scoring on his England debut in 1956 and all that sort of stuff. So it was just nice. And I thought Harry Kane did quite well because he gets a bit of stick sometimes for being a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit thick or a bit bland. But I thought he came across very well Should on we it. nominate Erling Haaland while we're here for instantly rustling everybody? Oh, it's quite a strong comeback to score after whatever it was, quarter of a minute, uh, quarter of an hour, but coming back into football and then within five minutes of the game ending to have half of Europe up in arms because he doesn't say enough in a post-match interview. Very Leeds. Come home, Erling. Come home. Also very Leeds. I'd like to nominate Berardi for what um, Pat Bamford said about him. There was a question about who'd win the, out of the squad in the Hunger Games. He said Berardi would win because if it came to life and death, he'd have no qualms about putting a knife through one of us. I don't think anyone would even try to go up against him. It's heroism of sort, isn't it? What a guy. He did also say that he's not that he's it's not that he's not nice, but he's just he's there to sort things out or something. Was the way he phrased it. Is that because he's getting an instant FaceTime from Berardi saying, "You said I would what?" Right then, pick yourself a hero. I mean, I hate to nominate myself, but um, obviously, uh, it's not good. I'm not going to win this, am I? No, no, okay. no. People should buy it though. I mean, five quid as a man who likes to a bargain. Five quid, that is pretty cheap. Until they start popping up in charity shops, that's about as cheap as you're going to get one for, isn't it? Not that there will be in charity shops, of course, because people will treasure them always. And they're e-books, Michael, so I don't know how you're donating an e-book to a charity shop. But anyway, let's move on. I want Bielsa to have it because he just, he makes me happy so often. Like even just his stopping, the thumbs up, his willingness to be nice to supporters, just, it cheers my soul, it warms me, warms the cockles. Yeah, it's just nice seeing him, isn't it? I would have no argument with that. He's going to look so good in the Adidas Clobber as well this next season when we are romping. He's already wearing it. Well, romping the Premier League in uh, in empty stadiums. Is he having it then again? Yes. Yeah. How many times is this? Someone will be keeping track of this. It must be at least six or seven times. I think he's probably won this as many times as Sean Harvey has won the Villain Award. Yeah, well done, Marcelo. Just for being you. Just for being a lovely man. And thanks for gracing us with your presence again. It, it makes me happy just about every single day. Well, let's wrap that one up there then, shall we? Um, January the 3rd is on this week's Extra Ball. You can catch our Championship Manager 0102 podcast on there too. We've just made a brilliant marquee signing for the number 10 spot. Uh, we've got that new merchandise out as well, if you fancy having a look at that. We've got new mugs, new coasters out at the squareball.net. Uh, those mugs, by the way, Bielsa ones and the Leeds Street Fighter artwork, which look absolutely brilliant. Uh, have a look for that if you fancy and uh, another week closer to football resuming and a bit of sanity returning to proceedings and uh, thanks for listening to this episode we'll speak to you in a bit ta The Square Ball Podcast A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.